0: Welcome to My American Melting Pot, the podcast for people living multicultural lives. I'm your host, Lori L. Tharps. I'm a Black woman married to a Spanish man raising three bilingual, biracial, bicultural children. I'm also a journalist and the author of the books, Hair Story, Same Family, Different Colors, Kinky Gazpacho, and the novel, Substitute Me. Some people call me a cultural critic or a pop culture pundit. I call myself a diversity diva. I'm really glad you're here for another episode of our special Revolutionary Readers Summer Series. Hello, Melting Pot community. On today's episode for our Revolutionary Reader Summer Series, we're going to be talking about how to raise young revolutionary readers with the hope that the young people in our lives go from being revolutionary readers to revolutionary leaders. I believe reading can be the spark that leads young people to do great things, keeping in mind, of course, that great things can be defined as something like becoming the first female president of the United States, or it could mean starting a food drive for those in need in one's community. But before we get to talking about raising revolutionary readers, I want to share the name of a book that I am currently excited to read, and that book is called The Vanishing Half by Brit Bennett. So yes, we're talking about revolutionary reads. This isn't necessarily revolutionary, but it is a book that I am super excited to read. And I think since I'm talking about books this summer, I wanted to share. So here's what The Vanishing Half is about. And this is from an Amazon review. The Vanishing Half examines sisterhood, Black identity and parenthood with compassion and conviction. Are you already as excited as I am? Of course you are. Let me go on. The Vignet twins grew up inseparable in the 60s in Mallard, Louisiana, a small town reserved for Black residents with light skin. Stella and Desiree Vignier are tall and beautiful, and they dream of lives beyond the lynching of their father and housekeeping for white people like their mother does. When they flee to New Orleans as teenagers, Stella discovers that she can pass as white, and so begins the fracture that will forever separate the twins. Stella disappears in California and continues to play the part of a white woman, keeping her past a secret from her husband and daughter. After leaving an abusive marriage, Desiree returns to Mallard with her daughter, Jude, who is, quote, black as tar. Jude, desperate to find a place where she fits in, goes to college in California and discovers she was searching not just for herself, but for her mother's sister. Told in flashbacks and alternating points of view, this novel asks, what is personal identity if not your past? Ooh, doesn't that sound good, Melting Pot community? I think so. And it has all of my favorite elements, Black identity, family, sisterhood, colorism, race, the United States infatuation with race, oh my goodness, all the delicious elements. And if you are a fan of Britt Bennett who wrote the book, The Mothers, which was her debut novel, I think it came out a couple of years ago, you know she's a fantastic writer. So that's next on my to be read list. Of course, that's coming up after our book club pick, the book of the little axe. So, the vanishing half will be next on my list. I ordered it yesterday from an independent bookseller, of course, and we will be reading that next. And I'll let you know how it goes. Now, let's get on to our conversation about how to raise revolutionary readers. talk about raising revolutionary readers, whether we're parents, teachers, educators, anybody who has young people in our lives, we have to begin with the premise that reading in and of itself is a revolutionary act, especially when you think of the history of this country and circumstances that dictated that Black people, poor people, women and girls have all been forbidden at some point or another. They've been forbidden or discouraged to read as a method of oppression and repression. So, again, just the very act of reading for these groups and others is revolutionary at its core. What else is revolutionary about reading is when you read what you want instead of reading what is assigned or expected of you. You know, that's that idea of, you know, reading the forbidden, reading the banned books. That is revolutionary. Fostering a love of reading in your child in the age of electronic distractions Is revolutionary, in my opinion. Getting your child to love the written word is revolutionary. And if your child loves to read, then he or she will always know that they can find answers to their most vexing questions or problems. And they can also find the answers to the problems and questions that we as a society are dealing with as well. And that's what I mean when I say that revolutionary readers become revolutionary leaders. Reading can be the spark that leads young people to do great things. And we want and need our children to do great things, things that will make the world a better place for everyone. I think kids who are revolutionary readers grow up to be anti-racist. They grow up to be environmental activists. They grow up to become problem solvers, empaths, world travelers, and adventure seekers. Don't we want that for our children? Don't we want that for ourselves? So let's help our children become revolutionary readers. So I'm not going to give you a a reading list to make sure that your kids become revolutionary readers. I'm going to give you some ideas of how to inspire a revolutionary mindset in your children because of the types of books you give them. And believe it or not, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I think when people hear revolutionary readers, they may think that you're suggesting that children should be reading about war and history in order to be an inspired revolutionary. But I want you to think a little bit more outside the box. Okay, you know, there is value in reading history. I think, though, to inspire our children to spark their imaginations about their own potential and power, that the history they should be reading should be in the form of memoir. I think when you give children memoirs to read about revolutionary activists, thinkers, and doers, you are going to spark their own inner passions. So give them stories to read about people like Wilma Rudolph, Frida Kahlo, Amelia Earhart and Bessie Coleman, Frederick Douglass, you know people who defied the odds, people who did great things. Even again, if those great things like Wilma Rudolph who beat any doctors' belief that she would ever walk again after she was struck with polio and she not only walked but she ran and became an Olympic athlete, an Olympic runner. You know, the stories of others who defy the expectations for who they were and the station in life that they were born into. So history books, eh. Memoirs about revolutionary activist thinkers, and doers, by all means. And the best thing is you can give your child these memoirs, whether they're picture book memoirs or chapter book memoirs or full-on memoirs that even, you know, teenagers can read. Memoir is such a powerful way to inspire a child. We also want to give our children novels about, not just based on like historical fiction, but we want to give them Books about teen entrepreneurs and girl goddesses, because those, too, are revolutionary. Anything that can spark a child's imagination about what's possible, even in a fantasy world, that's revolutionary, and that's what gets our kids thinking beyond their own limitations. Poetry. Reading poetry is revolutionary for children, and it can empower them, too, as poems can be the first thing a child writes or reads. Poetry can be simple but powerful, and you give the child that idea that something they create, like a poem, instead of making them write a whole story or an essay, is really powerful. It's really empowering. There's a new book that's just come out called Say Her Name, Poems to Empower by Zeta Elliott. It's a new collection of poetry for children. Again, it's called Say Her Name, Poems to Empower. Now, Zeta Elliott is a very prolific children's book author. This is not her first collection of poetry, I don't think, but it's entirely appropriate for this moment in time. But again, not only does it make children believe in their own power and potential, but it also gives them the idea that poetry, which I think is an easier form to write as a young person, that poetry can be powerful and revolutionary. Again, I want to suggest that we give our children novels to read about underdogs winning and children who do great things, like James and the Giant Peach, for example, right? That's not necessarily what one might think of revolutionary, but when you think about what this young boy, this orphan did, you know, piloting a giant peach all across the ocean, This is revolutionary because it gives children, again, the idea that young people, people who are powerless can still do great things. And then, of course, we want to give our children books about equity, justice and diversity, but not necessarily books that are couched in the issues of race and racism. We want to be mindful that our children need to still be able to have fantasy and believe in let's say, not be so bogged down with the ideas of oppression and repression and racism, but we still want to give them the idea that, you know, injustice exists. So how can we get them thinking about these things without getting them so depressed that they think that nothing can be done? There are great books that obviously deal with this idea of justice and injustice. And I'm thinking of the X-Men comic series, the Percy Jackson series, those types of books that deal in different worlds and create fantasy worlds or, you know. other worlds, if you will, but still talk about this idea of justice and difference and equity. Those are great series. And I don't want people to think that if their children are involved in reading these types of comics, for example, or fantasy stories, that they're not doing the work of being a revolutionary reader because they are. Even there's a great picture book that I read with my daughter. It's called Gaston and it's about a bulldog who lives somehow he ended up living in a family of French poodles. And Gaston doesn't look like anybody else in his family and he doesn't act like anybody else in his family and eventually it is discovered that you know looks don't matter that Gaston has his own unique qualities that he brings to the table. It is such an obvious story about diversity and inclusion, but it's about bulldogs and poodles. And I think this is the type of story that children absolutely should be reading at young ages, at picture book ages, to spark their sense of justice, right, and equality. So, Right now, personally, my three kids are reading more than ever because of the quarantine. In fact, I think books are the only thing I'm spending money on these days, except for food, of course. But I have encouraged my kids to be voracious readers, you know, pre-quarantine, so that now when they are in quarantine, you know, they turn to books for entertainment, which is, again, revolutionary that they're not just spending 24 hours on electronic devices. Trust, they're on electronic devices. TV is our friend, but they're also reading. And I continue to give them books to read and suggest books for them to read to spark their revolutionary imagination. And I'm so glad that it seems that it's working. The other aspect of that is, of course, because I've always encouraged them to read, one of the things that, again, I think is very revolutionary is that they seek out stories that truly excite them. And that is revolutionary because it means they are independent thinkers. And I don't know any revolutionary who does not think for themselves instead of following the herd. So, I hope all of these ideas have given you some sense and ideas of how to raise a revolutionary reader. It doesn't mean that you're giving them only books about, you know, revolutionary leaders from the past. It means that you're inspiring them to think for themselves, to be independent thinkers. You're inspiring them to read what inspires and excites them. You're giving them books about people, places, and things that will spark their imagination about what's possible and where there's potential and underdogs winning, right? That's how we raise revolutionary readers who one day will become revolutionary leaders. I hope I've given you some ideas. And of course, the last takeaway is the best way to raise a revolutionary reader, of course, is to be a revolutionary reader yourself. So keep listening to my podcast. Keep getting great new ideas. I'll be here next week, Friday, to talk about a great new series that is perfect for anybody trying to be a revolutionary reader. And that is this new series called Queens of the Resistance. And I'll be talking about that series next week and hearing from one of the authors of the book as well. So tune in next Friday and you'll hear about the Queens of the Resistance and keep reading like a revolutionary. Thank you, Melting Pot community. Melting Pot is produced by me, Lori L. Tharps. Our editor and technical director is Brad Linder. Our theme music was composed by Sumi Tanoka. Thanks so much for listening, Melting Pot community. I appreciate each and every one of you. Really, thank you so much for tuning in every Friday. Please don't forget to leave a rating or review for the show if you haven't on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And FYI, we are now available on Spotify. And please, if you haven't already uh, listened to the first episode for this Revolutionary Reader series, take a listen to that so you can see what I'm doing and why. And let me know how you like our new podcast art. I hope you are enjoying that as well. It should have popped up in your um, podcast feed. I love it. And I think it's just as colorful as the content on this show and as colorful as I want you to live your life. So until next week, stay colorful and stay healthy.